friends. Welcome to the Unlikely Mentors Podcast. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Mitzi. And each week, we'll share tidbits of wisdom we've learned through life and through our rather unusual friendship. Welcome to episode number 15. This week, we have the privilege of sitting down to chat with Sharon Henderson. Hey, Sharon. Hi. And as you know, as a listener, both Mitzi and I have been on a journey this summer dealing with prejudice we might have, racism in our society, in our culture, trying to figure that out, what next steps are, et cetera. And so when we were talking, Mitz, you said that you realized you didn't have many people of color in your life. And so you very, I thought it was awesome. You set out to change that. Will you tell us a little bit about that, Mitz? I can do that. So yeah, a a friend of ours posed that question to us, you know, how many people of color are in your friendship circle? And I was a little embarrassed to realize Mm -hmm. that not very many. Of course, I have, you know, students that I still keep in touch with and, you know, a few other people in my life, but really no one really significant that I, that I call a friend. I thought, okay, well, I need to do this and I need to figure out who to call or I don't mm-hmm. even know what I'm doing. So I asked, I actually asked two separate friends, hey, do you know somebody who would be willing to talk to me? Yeah. And ironically, they both said Sharon Henderson. Stop and, it. Really? Oh, yeah. And oh. and they they weren't part of the same conversation. So, and I knew of Sharon because her political stuff. And so I thought, oh boy, now what do I do? So I went on Sharon's Facebook page. I asked to be her friend and she she said, yes. Ah. (laughs) And so then I messaged her and Sharon, I don't know if you remember the messages, but it was something crazy like, hi, I'm a middle-aged white woman. And of course I'm not middle-aged. I'm a little older than that. I was being generous (laughs) with myself. I said, would you be willing to talk to me? I don't, I don't, I'm on this journey and I have questions and I don't really have anybody to ask. And you were so gracious, Sharon. You said yes. So we met and we had a great talk. We talked about our kids. We talked about racism. We talked about microaggression stuff. And I didn't even know what that term meant until like a week ago. We just talked about our lives and the ideas of racism in in our lives. So that's how we started. And then Kels, you so you were telling me about that about Sharon on a run, and I immediately was like, "Well, can you get her to come on our podcast?" Okay, all because, you think about is the podcast. Okay, so it's all no, and I'm like a little jealous, right? I want Sharon in my life too, and mm-hmm. I know that our listeners will also want Sharon in their lives. So uh, then I asked you to invite Sharon on the podcast. So Sharon, thank you, thank you for being here with us. Mitz, will you do like the formal introduction of Sharon, and then we'll actually let her tell us about herself? Okay, I would be honored. I would like to introduce to you Sharon Henderson. She ha- wears many hats, but among them, which is really important to her, is she is the first ward Benton Harbor City Commissioner. Mm-hmm. And with that, I'm going to ask Sharon, will you tell us a little about a little bit about yourself as we start? asking you other questions. All right. So like you, like they've said, uh, Sharon Henderson, I have a husband. I've been married for 21 years. Um, we have three adult children, um, born and raised uh, here in the city of Benton Harbor. Graduated, though, from Alclair High School. Um, I have a um, bachelor's degree in community development from Central Michigan University. Go Chips. Uh, and so 
um, yeah, live here in Southwest Michigan, decided to run for um, office. I actually ran when I was younger, when I was in my 20s, and I lost that initial race by four votes after a recount. And so I um, just vowed to um, one day to be a part of it because I wanted to see change in our community. And so that's how I ended up in politics. And um, I think injustice was at the heart of that um, as a Christian uh, person. You know, just injustice is one of those things that um, speaks so deeply to me and um, has to be addressed. So, yeah, those are some of the reasons why I ran. And that's uh, um, in a nutshell who I am. I'm really impressed that I I find when I uh, don't succeed at something, I give up way too easily because I like to feel good about myself. So I'm very impressed that you kept at it. And four votes. Wow. That seems like not many. Get out and vote, people. Let's go. Mm -hmm. Um, So... Sharon, our listener might not understand like the Benton Harbor, St. Joe uh, kind of community interaction. And can you just like tell us what it was like to grow up in this area? Maybe discuss that St. Joe Benton Harbor thing that goes on. So, um, like I said, I grew up in Benton Harbor. In fact, I lived right on Empire. And so um, at that time, you had a lot of community interactions where you had the family. Uh, the community was also your family, um, in a sense. And so for me, I did not cross the bridge hardly ever um, as an adult. Uh, more so, we went to the beach, Jeancock Park. But crossing St. Joe was just crossing over the bridge was just one of those things most people from Benton Harbor didn't do unless they were going to the beach And so kind of grew up in this bubble, but had the unfortunate experience of um, of racism or racial bias. Um, Experiencing that Um, one day I had gone into into a Walgreens store in St. Joe before they moved. Um, And I actually worked in that store at one point, but experienced someone following me around in a store. Mm. And so that was my first experience with racism, someone following me around, Mm -hmm. not necessarily because I was going to steal something, but because I was black is what Mm -hmm. I thought. Mm -hmm. And so that was my first um, encounter Mm -hmm. um, as a young person with uh, racism um, in our area. But it was just always this unwritten rule of you didn't cross the bridge. Uh, You didn't go to St. Joe. In fact, um, I was raised with, I think, a little bit of fear about going over um, across the bridge that something would happen. And so that was just something we didn't do. And still to this day, many people in our community don't feel comfortable with going over to St. Joe because of they experience being stopped by the police or being followed for whatever reason um, and just don't feel safe uh, going over. So that do you think that it has changed at all in your lifetime or is it is it pretty much just as bad as it was growing up? So I would say there has been some changes, I think. The younger people, like my sons and people uh, of that, um, what is that generation? The millennials has helped with okay. that because they, they're all over. They don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, but people of my generation, Gen X, I think we still feel some of that um, oppression that has happened and that we've experienced, that uh, we've been traumatized by, mm-hmm. that we just we just don't. Um, I, I probably cross over more often and feel more comfortable doing so. But many of us still, you know, don't um, because we, we just don't feel comfortable doing so. Yeah. Um, as part of my experience, my husband has worked at the same company for 21 years. And the first several years of him working there, he was being stopped on a regular basis on his way to work because he works third shift. 
and he was being stopped uh, continually, not because he was doing anything, but just driving while black. Mm-hmm. Um, he would never get a ticket. He was just being stopped. Yeah. You know, Sharon, I'm reminded of a conversation we had um, one of the first or second times we met, which broke my heart. We were talking about, you know, uh, you have two boys. I have three boys. And, you know, raising teenagers, there's always challenges there. But you, um, can you tell me, you said when you send your son out of the house, you have an extra layer of anxiety than mm-hmm. I did when I sent my teenager mm-hmm. out of the house. Can you talk about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just in case you don't know, almost all families, especially if you have boys, you've had this conversation with your young young man about how to interact with the police just in case they've been stopped. And so my son, probably prior to him getting his license, I had this, this layer of fear because I was worried about what could happen to him. And so most parents are excited. You know, you get this, the kids get this freedom and they get these cars and they're able to drive around. But for me as a black parent of a, of a son, I didn't feel that same excitement because I, I had this concern of things that I know could have happened to him. And so I wasn't all that excited. And, and as a young man, he's 20 years old. He'll be 21 next week. He has been stopped four times mm-hmm. at 20 for driving while black. Mm-hmm. He's, not, he has, he's gotten a ticket for speeding, but that wasn't part of the other four stops. Mm-hmm. The other ones were he looked suspicious coming out of some place and the other three times it was they just stopped him and they give him a ticket ran his license place and they let him go he's 21 and this has happened to him I've had my yeah and it hasn't to me it hasn't right well and in that I was just gonna say in that same town I've never been pulled over for that Mitz have you (laughs) without a reason no I and and we live in the same same town so somebody somebody asked, well, what kind of car was he driving? Well, we have nice cars. And so his car, you know, his car, our cars are fine. They're licensed and everything. And my husband is a um, reserve officer for the city of Benton Harbor. So he has a license to carry. And mm-hmm. so our cars are registered in his name. Mm-hmm. So I'm always nervous because the cars come up with my husband's name. And so we always told him to tell the police if he stopped that this is his dad's car so that they won't think that he has, you know, a weapon on it. Yeah. So those, you know, those are just things that white people don't have to think about. And, and it's not, that's not right. That's not right. That, that black people do. So thank you. Thank you for sharing those personal stories. We appreciate that. As a, as a white person, I'm doing, I'm reading books and I'm watching things And what comes up is like, what can I do? What should white people be doing right now? So maybe a two point question, like what would, what would you want white people to know? But then also what should I be doing as a 30 year old white woman or Mitzi as a six year old white woman or whatever? What are some things? So first of all, what I've experienced with white people, when you say racism or you say racist, or that word comes up, mm-hmm. um, most white people, and it may, may not be you, take offense to that. Mm-hmm. And because it's like, it's the word that you don't want to be called. And mm-hmm. in most cases, that's not the truth. You're not um, a racist or, or, but you do have a bias. And so acknowledging that all of those things exist. Because for, for so long, until George Floyd, I don't think people really acknowledged or really was able to believe these things were happening to Black people. 
that we were just complaining, we're lazy, all of these stereotypes, but these things are happening. So first to acknowledge that those things have happened. And secondly, not to take it personally. Like you said, what can I do? So what can I do to address these issues? Um, in 2020, there's no reason why you should not have a black friend. Um, so changing your circles. So if you shop at um, the Meyer in Stevensville, start shopping at the Meyer in Ben Harbor. Stop, mm. Start shopping at the Walmart. Start shopping in places where you will encounter more black people. And then intentionally, if you have a job where you have more than just white people there, eat lunch with somebody that you normally wouldn't be, wouldn't eat lunch with. So there are things that you can do to change those situations intentionally. And you have to be intentional in doing so. Oh, that's awesome. That's really good advice for sure. And Sharon, if uh, if there were, um, you've been in roomfuls of white people often mm-hmm. because of your political career and um, your work, if, as you listen to them chatter, like, what would you like to say, hey, white people, what, what, in one sentence, what do you want, what do you want me to know? So I'm speaking right here today, but I don't speak for all Black people. And we all are raised, um, just like our culture is multifaceted, so are Black people's experience. So I didn't grow up in abject poverty. I didn't grow up living in a housing project. I grew up in a very close-knit family, very well protected. There were lots of men in my family. My, my, I didn't come from a broken home. And so that wasn't my experience. I can relate because I understand, but I, that's not my experience. So understand that, that all of our experiences are different. And so you're going to encounter people. The best thing that you can do is to get to know people and not, um, if you've ever saw the podcast, The Danger of a Single Story, we don't have a single story. So getting to know us on an, on an individual basis will help to change your mindset about who who we are as a people. Um, but to your question of walking into rooms with um, uh, white people, I'm always confident when I go into those rooms um, because I have to be number one, um, because at that moment I am representing all black people for whatever reason I am. And so um, I'm always confident when I walk in those rooms. But my the thing that I would like to say is listen to us, hear us, see mm-hmm. us, if you can see us as not being the other, but see us as being um, your uncle, your sister, your brother, your mom, you will you will interact with us differently. That is so good. To think about. Is there, have we not asked a question that, is there something else you have to say before we're going to, we're going to ask one more question about why you're running for county commissioner, but is there, is there anything else you want to say? Um, see, one of the things we talk about racism, to hate somebody, to think think about this, to hate somebody because of their race is probably one of the most base things that somebody can hate you for. Something, number one, that you can't change, but to hate you because of the race is one of the most base things in the world to me. And it's just ridiculous that people hate us because of the color of our skin. Something that we can't change had nothing to do with, um, but to just acknowledge that racism exists and that things, these things are happening and the question that you pose, how can I help? Changing your, your uh, circles. If you have not had a black person at your house to eat dinner with, that you go to church with, you need to change those things and then start, and start to invite people that look different than you um, and to be part of your circles. It's intentional and to be intentional about what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being honest and giving us, giving us a path, I guess you would say. 
Mm-hmm. So, Sharon, I know you're passionate about your community because I see what you've done as a city commissioner, and I see you on Facebook, and you seem to especially champion the young people, the people mm-hmm. who are the next leaders. But you, you are currently a city commissioner, but you are running now for Berrien County Commissioner. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that and tell us, you know, why are you running um, and what do you hope to do if you are elected, when you are elected? I'm elected. So, yeah, one of the reasons that I'm running for um, Berrien County Commissioner, and this was something that um, I thought about last year and it just kept uh, resonating. And the reason I'm running is because I see a lot of the apathy that exists towards African-Americans, but just a failed attempt at um, equity in our county. It is awful. When I walk into Berrien County, I don't see people that look at look like me. I can count them on my hands if I walked in. So the uh, inequity on boards and uh, just the representation. So that's why I'm running, essentially. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. That's awesome. Sharon, thank you. Thank you for being honest with us. This is not an easy conversation from from either side for you to be honest and for us to to take your advice. And so we just really, gosh, we're really appreciative of you. And I especially feel fortunate that you said yes to coming on here with a stranger and Mitzi, who is a new friend of yours. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. To our listeners, we hope that you are listening and learning right along with us that you're asking hard questions of yourself and you are not just content with where you're at, but, but always growing. And so we urge you to just be in this with us, uh, come alongside of us. We'd love to hear from you, what your experience is, what you loved. We will on Instagram kind of connect you with Sharon. Uh, it'll also be in the show notes where you can find info on her. But again, Sharon, thank you so much. Thank you, Sharon for being here and listeners have a great week. Thank you. Bye.